Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. It's Tuesday, January 20th. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. It's our Twilight edition of the Tuesday show. My sister Julie Dolan is in Brooklyn, New York, where she is doing uh, her stint as a as a nanny. And so she just got off her shift to be with us today. Hi, Jewel. Actually, Leanne, I got off early tonight. Oh, uh, go to good. The parents yes, came yes. home early. Yeah. Yes. Urban Nana, <laughs> Nana, you, you know, you just can't like leave as soon as mom or dad walks into the house. You know, you have to have that transition period. You have to, you know, really set it up a little more. So that's but nice of you. To be, I, well, of course it is. And it's my granddaughter. Too. Right. Okay. That's important <laughs> to, to remember. All right, we're going to hear more about that. Julie has more news from Brooklyn. Uh, we have a couple of college stories about admissions and sororities. We have some breaking health news. If you're sitting right now, you might want to stand up. That's all I'm saying. Uh, we have Tuesday trends. And, of course, uh, we have Downton Gabby. <laughs> Woo, what an episode this week. It was a good one. Uh, Jam-packed. Uh, this, you know, season five is delivering, Leanne. It it's, is. It's bringing it, it's bringing it on. You know, I mean, a lot of shows, they sort of wane as they, as they go on, but Downton Abbey is, is bringing it on. Don't it you think? Is. They are, they are jamming the storylines down our throat and it's exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. So we're going to get to Downton Gabby, but first, Julie, how are things in Brooklyn? Center of the I universe. Think, I think things are going very well. Uh, to set it up, I am here in Brooklyn for the month. I am babysitting my granddaughter, Josephine. She's four months old. My daughter-in-law and son are back at work. Uh, and so I'm part of the transition team. So we've had a good, we've had a good week. We're into week two here. Things are going well. But Leon, what I have observed that is different for this generation of grandparents or caregivers or nannies or whatever is that there is a whole social media component to your job. Okay. It's not enough that I get that baby down for two decent naps that I give her three different bottles. Okay. At three different times that I take her for two walks that I change her diapers more times than I would like to tell you, that I play to her, play with her, I sing with her, we read books, uh, we walk around, we do everything. I also, I feel this real need to keep her parents informed about what's going on pretty much every minute, you know? <laughs> oh. You know, yeah, have you, see, you, we didn't have this no. when we were babies. I mean, you have to text, you have to send photos. I mean, oh. I haven't really mastered, like, taking you know, I, I should, I should be able to take videos on the phone. I know that. I know that. I know that, but I got a lot huh? going on. It's a big responsibility <laughs> to take care of your granddaughter. You well, know, she is, I mean, not that she's not adorable, but I would think it's still at her age would be fine. She's would be fine. not actually fine. doing that much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot going on. I mean, but I want, I want to set the parents, you know, I want them to be at ease, you know, they're at work. This is a big transition, you know, particularly for my daughter-in-law to go back to work. And I want her to make sure, you know, I think the more information she has about how Josephine is doing, you know, during the day, the better. So that is just, it's just, 
but it's a lot to do. As I'm saying, as Urban Nana, I was like, oh my gosh, I, you know, just trying to keep up with the posting and the texting and the pictures. Um, it's an, I, I think that there's a whole school out there. Like if you want to, and it's a good question if you're hiring a nanny to ask about their social media skills. I'm, I'm right? excited that maybe after this month, you can become the social media person for Satellite Sisters. That I, you will have enough hours under your belt. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't have a you know specific Twitter account for Josephine yet, I, uh, but, but maybe that's the way to go. I don't know. But I think that that's something that I got to get together this week. So uh, that is funny. I hadn't even thought about that. But you're right. Like, of course, you would ask the babysitter to send pictures of the baby. Yes. Yes. Of course. And, and, you know, I mean, uh, it's it's New York City here. So so I know we're used to um, we're used to a lot of um, Mia dog barking. (laughs) But this there's a fire station right up the street, Leanne. Oh, good. uh, so I, I think I find that comforting. So that that's uh, uh, they're off. They're busy around here. I'm, I'm telling you, the firefighters in Brooklyn are busy. You know, they are they are working at it. So, but um, the other parts of my life here are going totally fine. Um, uh, the other night, my son walked me home from uh, you know at the end of uh, end of the workday. You know, and he pointed out um, a shop. You know how we we like to. We like to talk about and explore, you know, um, commercial operations that are unusual combinations of things, things that you yes. wouldn't normally think about. And he pointed a shop, he pointed to a shop that's just up the street from where they live. And this establishment, Leon, they sell two things in it, uh, high-end skateboards and um, flower arrangements. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that does. That's right. Huh. It's a skateboard floral shop. Wow. That's good. Now that is something that I, I have not seen in Dallas. I don't know. Maybe perhaps you have them in no. Pasadena. No. Have you, Pasadena. And apparently, now you may ask, who goes mm-hmm. to a high-end skateboard floral floral design store? But because um, I, I, I immediately asked my son, I said, well, is it like a husband and wife thing? And the husband is into skateboarding and the wife likes floral designs. And my son said, no, the, the skateboards are all high end. So these are not for 14 year olds uh, or teenagers. These are for like 30 year olds um, in Brooklyn. Okay. Yes, Leanne. I know. I know. On I know. Skateboards because it's Brooklyn and that's right. what people do. And so these are high-end skateboards. You know, these are like, you know, this is like, you know, maybe in other cities, your husband might, you know, might buy an expensive sports car. Well, here in Brooklyn, they buy expensive skateboards. (laughs) So the floral part, I can only assume that it's, if you're buying a high-end skateboard for yourself, that this is some kind of like counterbalance for your partner, your spouse, that you bring home some gorgeous floral arrangement. It does seem like the floral arrangement is the impulse purchase and the, and the skateboard is the plant purchase, but perhaps it works the other way too. Somebody goes in to get a floral arrangement and thinks, well, that's a great housewarming gift, a high-end skateboard. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone in Brooklyn needs one, Leanne. Well, Jewel, we'll know you have really assimilated when you start riding a skateboard. That no, will be... Urban Nana, no, no, I cannot afford that, Leanne. I cannot afford that. You know, my, my job is, is so important, and they're counting on me. 
that nothing can happen to me. So I, I, I walk very slowly, you know, and uh, I hold on to the uh, railings and the banisters, Lee. And I, I, I can, you know, I have a, a big responsibility here. So, you know, I'm the safety net, Leon, right? <laughs> Right. That's right. Yeah. No, that's it. So I can't be, I can't be in a skateboard. No, I, or I, I you can't have a broken wrist. Floor, yeah. But I might check out the floral designs <laughs> anyway. So it's, it's a, it's a business opportunity, you know, look for it in your neighborhood. Uh, you know, what cause was all- the name of that store Sheila had in her neighborhood down in the village. It was something in couscous. Yes. Yeah. It was it like was- peanut butter and jelly. It and was. And couscous I- was like, it was like hot chocolate and couscous. Like, and that was, Oh, that so made skateboards and flowers, that's, <laughs> yeah. what that's what they have here. I'm sure they're opening up a branch in Portland any day now. Yeah, exactly, Leanne. <laughs> All right, Julie. Uh, well, I know that you've been busy. I know you've been physically schlepping around doing a lot of things, and that's good because today the headlines in the paper were alarming. Even sitting can harm your health. Julie, sitting kills. Here's how it no, works. Yes. No, Leanne. That can't be true. A sedentary lifestyle, even if it doesn't lead to obesity, is linked to a higher risk of cancer and early death. So there are a bunch of studies that have come out uh, that have said, like, sitting as little as one hour in a stretch. One oh, hour. On. Which come isn't on. really sitting. That's just plopping down. Yes. Uh, can raise your risk of cancer, cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, and early death. So even if you do exercise, even if you get those minutes in of exercise, if you're still sitting for two, three, four hours in a stretch or as much as they said 11 hours in a day, then you are at risk. Okay. An hour at a stretch. That's like, I mean, that's, that's nothing. Like your commute, if you drive to work, you yeah. take the train to work. Yeah. Maybe you watch television for an hour at night. You watch Downton Abbey. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. One, one hour of Downton Abbey. It We're could supposed kill. to stand up. And watch Downton Abbey? Here's what you're supposed to do. Whether while working at a desk, be sure to get up every one, get up for one to three minutes every half hour or so and move around. Every half hour. Here's the problem, Julie. I try to get up every half hour and I walk the steps and guess where I walk? Right to my kitchen. So that's not that. (laughs) Right to the refrigerator, Leanne. Yeah. Yeah. While watching TV, you have to stand or exercise during the ads. Okay, oh, well, no one, no one watches ads anymore, right? They're well, just I mean, but what's it. the point of watching TV if you can't be stretched <laughs> out on your couch, Leanne? I know. I know. Aim to reduce sedentary time by two to three hours in a 12-hour day. Aware- I mean, we do a 45 or 50-minute podcast. What, am I supposed to be standing up right now? I think like- we are supposed to be standing up. I mean, I used to stand up to do the show uh, when we were on the radio. I yes, stood up for yes. three hours just because I, I, had, I was like the controller. I had to see everybody in the booth and stuff like that. But yeah, so it's not just a little standing. It's a lot of standing all day. And, you know, I, I mentioned last week on the show that I was really aware of how much less walking I was doing yes, without yes. my dog and that I'm trying to work on that. Well, now I'm totally paranoid about the sitting. So... I had gotten into a habit of standing in the morning and do, answering my emails on a laptop downstairs, mm-hmm. like in the kitchen, like having a cup of coffee after I took the kids to school. But then Brooks stopped, you know, he took that damn gap year and he was <laughs> home. 
And I had to go upstairs and sit at my computer because I couldn't be down there answering the emails because he was watching TV or up and stuff like that. Talking to you. Talking to me. You know, I was having cooking breakfast and stuff like that. So now I'm even paranoid about the sitting. I mean, it's pretty easy to plop down on the couch for two hours in a stretch at night, you know? Oh, yeah. Really easy. I mean, what are you supposed to do with that if you have an hour commute uh, to work? What I, do you, I, I mean, don't I don't know. Why? why I, I mean, they're, you know, if they don't have a solution for how you're supposed to get to work or how you're <laughs> supposed to do your work, I don't think, really think they should share that with us. I really don't. I'm envisioning people just all like... all it does is create more stress, okay? And we know that stress kills, okay? So <laughs> that's this is not helpful. It's just Until... something to be aware of, that you're sitting more than you think. You know, we all laughed at my husband's office of the future, but they were addressing a lot of these things with... Like my husband said, that stand-up desk is the mm-hmm. best thing he's ever done. And yeah. it's not that you raise your chair up and down, because that gets tricky. You raise the desk up and down. And so he yeah. really does do that all the time. They have the walking desk. They have, you know, all those tips, like if you work in a real office, you know, walk over to your neighbor's cubicle instead of sending an email, just walk, walk, walk. And I have been more uh, cognizant of that with the dog. I've been parking farther away at the grocery store and stuff like that. But now I'm definitely going to, like, get a pedometer, and I'm just going to stand up more. <laughs> so there you go. Stop sitting. Get up. Usually, okay. though, it's good to know people listen while we sit, while we record the podcast and edit it. People listen to the podcast on the move very often, yes, right? That's, on the that's treadmill. So, yeah. So don't stop. Keep moving. Keep moving. I mean, Keep moving. If you, if you stand still, you know, or heaven forbid, you sit down on a bench, you're, it's all over. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Do not sit down. Do not sit down. Do not sit down. It's good, Julie, because you don't sit down a lot, actually. No, no, I never yeah. have. Yeah. I, I, I got that gene from mom. Yeah. Never sat down. And uh, <laughs> no, I don't like sitting down. Yeah. I, don't like, I, I would like a stand-up desk. Uh, and, um, and that's why, you know, working as the urban nana where there is no sitting down. I mean, there's a lot of, I'm on the move the whole time, I think is good. I cannot, I cannot stand and write, though. I, can, I cannot do it. I've tried to do it. Like I can write emails, but I cannot write a novel. Standing that's up. why you have two novels and I have one. <laughs> that's, that's true. Okay. Okay. Uh, but but you've got your health. So. All right. What okay. else do we have? Oh, and the other health news. I saw this headline. Could not be happier. It's from uh, the Wow Oh Wow, that newsletter, Pure Wow, that is offered in a bunch of different cities from the Wow Wow website. Big headline last week. Souping is the new juicing. Hooray, Liam. You know, for those of us who enjoy eating hot food, this is fantastic news because I have not embraced juicing or smoothies because they're cold. <laughs> and I think yeah, that is so true. Isn't and it true? Juice, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I really have pinpointed that I like hot food, Leon. Yes. I, I mean, it's come to me late in life. I haven't really, I, I, and lately I've been sending back so much soup. I can't even tell you. Like I, if I get lukewarm soup, it goes, I send it back. I, I, I just can't, I can't stand that. I don't like juicer machines. I don't want to clean those. Yeah. I don't want to clean blenders, but a big pot of soup. How great is that? It's great. And it's the same thing. Like I, I have found like, particularly at lunch again, I work at home. I don't go out to lunch. So it would be it's a nice hot bowl of soup is very satisfying. 
and mm-hmm. is easy to cook. And now we have the permission from health people. We can stop juicing. I don't know what's going to happen what happened to half the new stores in Pasadena because they're all juiceries. But, <laughs> but we can now soup. And I posted that on my Facebook page, and so many people were happy to hear it. People love soup, Julie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great. Soup but is you better good. eat it standing up, See? I assume, right? It's standing up. This data is ending up. All right. There was a news story uh, this week I wanted to ask you about because uh, prior to your work as Urban Nana and your uh, role as a citizen diplomat living in countries around the world, um, you actually worked as an admissions officer, Julie, at several very fine universities in in this country. And so this week, a story that I believe strikes fear in the heart of admission officers across the country. Um, Actually... Oh, there's my husband. Really? He never calls. And he calls in the middle of the No, show. I know. I know. He never calls. husband doesn't even know how to use his cell phone. He never <laughs> even had a cell phone. <laughs> I think it's because Mia's gone, Liam. That he just in. feels like it's his job now to interrupt the podcast. So go ahead. Take the call. Okay? No, no. No, I got I just. He's dead. He might be. You better answer it. He's not dead. I, I know okay. exactly what he's going to tell me. Um, So, well, oh, so admissions officers striking fear into the heart of admissions officers. Apparently, there is a law on the books, a federal law, that says you can access your undergraduate admissions folders under Mm -hmm. FERPA, which is a federal law that is kind of all-encompassing, allows parents to see your grades and things like that, like your your files are open. Uh, And so a newspaper, a student newspaper at Stanford, um, actually, it's the Family Education Rights and Privacy Act. So the student-run newspaper at Stanford actually sort of published kind of in a funny, satirical way, like, hey, did you guys know you could get your admissions record opened up? And here's exactly how you requested them. So uh, now about a thousand students at Stanford have requested their admission, <laughs> admissions folders and admissions. People have to give them the folders to see mm-hmm. what they said. And this is going to sort of open the door on the whole admissions process. Now, remember, these are people that got in. So right. these are admitted students. Admitted right? students. So, and Stanford um, students. is, I mean, you can do it at any school in the country, I believe. Right. I mean, I'm, Again, not an expert on FERPA, but I think any school that operates under that law, um, which are most schools. But, yes, yeah, so, Julie, what do you think about this? Well, you know, having – I have worked at Stanford um, uh, at the graduate mis- admissions level. Yes, you have. Level. I didn't know if you uh, wanted to admit that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that's important. I mean, I, I understand why the students are curious. I mean, but they're the ones that got in, you know, uh, and most uh, colleges and universities – have some kind of process that if you're not admitted to the school, they will meet with you, they'll provide you with some feedback, but you never get to really see the file. So here's the problem, Lynn, is that in the file, you know, particularly at an institution like Stanford, which is, the, I think, probably it's the number one most selective college in the country. Yes, only 5%. Only five percent of forty thousand applicants got in. Yeah, and people ask me that all the time. Oh, you worked at Stanford? It's impossible to get in there. That's the answer. Okay, Um, that it, um, you know, that everyone that applies has outstanding grades and test scores. So really, what it comes down to in many situations, it comes down to the confidential letters of recommendation that the students have, you know, waived the right to see 
you know, um, these high school letters of recommendation where high school teachers are asked to be very candid about the candidates. And they say very positive things, but they might also say negative things. Well, now that these files are open, I am sure if you're a high school teacher and you're asked to write a letter of recommendation, you are, you know, you're going to think twice about whether or not you want to write something that in any, you know, that down the road is going to become public, that it's going to, you know, that there may be some legal rep, you know, rep, uh, response to it. So it is going to have a chilling effect on the admissions process. On the university side, again, uh, you know, when, when you are, uh, you know, talking about the students, you know, and writing comments about the students, you have to be very um, candid and you have to be incredibly discriminating, particularly at an institution like Stanford, because everybody looks outstanding. That right. applies to Stanford. Right. No, I know. So this is going to have, if you feel like your confidential notes are going to be made public, and again, that, you know, you might be liable for, you know, some comment that you made, uh, you know, they don't pay you, you know, enough as an admissions officer to, you know, to, you know, to put your neck out like that. So I think it, it's going to have, it's going to make a big deal on campuses all across the country about, uh, about this, that students, you know, want to see these comments, you know, and, you know, and it's, they've always called it like the black box land that right. you send your, your, your application in, and then there is this process and, you know, and I, you know, outcomes, a letter of acceptance or denial, you know, having been on the other side, having, you know, been, worked on these, you know, for a number of different universities, you know, it's really hard. It's, it's hard to select candidates. People take it very seriously. These are real professionals. They're trained, but, you know, they are making discriminating decisions. And, you know, in some cases they're going to, you know, write things that are not flattering, that are not positive about a candidate. And if, you know, if an admitted student sees something, you know, at least they got in, that's the only way they're going to see the file. But, you know, if they see something in the file they don't like, I don't know what, what recourse will they take? You know, well, I think, I think it's, gonna... it's also too, I mean, the, the editor of this, it's like a satirical newsletter said, yeah. you know, we think that admissions to a university University such as Stanford is a process that is biased towards those in the know. Everyone has a right to know what goes on in the what goes on in the black box. And so I think too what they're hoping is to expose like the admission of candidates that aren't actually qualified but got in because big yeah. donor, family ties. It did make me think though cuz last year I did admissions interviews for my alma mater and I mm -hmm. thought oh yeah, we were asked to assign you know, numbers, yeah. scale of one to five. And they said that's what, you know, students have received are, uh, you know, evaluation essays written by the admissions officer and numerical scores assigned to their personal qualities. And yeah, I mean, after the interview, that's what we did. So I know, I, I just... It just, it will mean like if, if it is, if they want, a, if the students want a totally open process, you know, then it's going to be based totally on grades and SAT scores yeah, or ACT right. scores. And they won't be able to consider any personal achievements, per, you know, uh, students that have overcome enormous obstacles and hurdles to, you know, to, uh, to apply to college. 
They won't be able to consider that. They won't be able to consider the student that has a 3.9 average versus a 4.0 average. Right. They, you know, they, they won't. That, that's, that could be the end result from this. I'm, I'm very interested to see how Stanford and other institutions respond to this. I mean, you know, if they have to give up the, you know, if they have to open up the files, they're going to open up the files. But it is, um, I think it's definitely going to alter, um, alter the way candidates are evaluated at a lot of schools. Yeah. And you know what? Who's kidding who? When It's not a perfect process. No, it it's is no, never going to be. This is not going to make it a more equitable process. It's no. never going to, you know, it's never going to be equitable because kids are right at different quality of schools. They have, you know, some kids are allowed to do test prep. Other kids aren't allowed, don't have the money for test prep. It's, it's never going to be equitable. You know, it just never is. So, uh, and you know what? There are plenty of colleges. So I know I feel, I feel for the Stanford admissions people, not that much, but it won't Stanford, be but... not, not, don't worry about it. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I don't worry about Stanford that much. No, I don't know. I mean, but it will happen at other schools too, because yeah. if they've been able right. to evoke the FERPA law yeah. for this purpose, that other students will be able to pit- petition their files too. Yeah. I mean, now the only, the only caveat there is the common application, which a lot of schools accept now uh, you waive the right uh, to see your applic to see your file at some point. Oh, okay. And, and it may be that this is what schools insist on now. Like, if you don't want to waive your right, you know, you, you don't apply. at your peril, Land. Right. At your peril. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Did you have another story, a college-related story? There was another campus story today. It's the number one emailed story in the New York Times. It caught my eye. I mean, we have talked about it here on um, uh, on Satellite Sisters about rape on college campuses. Yeah. And this was a story about um, an anti-rape idea uh, that, you know, in many cases in college campuses, it's, you know, an age-old tradition where a lot of the parties with the alcohol that can lead to, you know, bad behavior and, and worse, um, you know, they're frat parties that are, that are organized. These are, you know, these are on-campus parties. Mm-hmm. These are male fraternities um, that are hosting these parties. So one idea as an anti-rape campaign that people are discussing, just discussing, is that maybe more of the college parties with alcohol should be hosted at sororities, Liam, because then women would be on their home turf. And the idea is that if you were with your sorority sisters in your own, on your own turf, you know, that, you know, that some of the rape situations where, or where, you know, students have had too much to drink, there would be other women around to help and protect women so that they wouldn't, you know, so that, so, you know, to prevent rape. I mean, that's the idea. Now there's, uh, this is sororities. Were you in a sorority at college? No, no, no. we didn't have national sororities or fraternities. Sororities as many people who have been in sororities know that they, you know, they have, uh, the pan Hellenic council and they, you know, they don't allow alcohol in sororities. Uh, and so this is kind of a big issue coming up. Um, there's on a couple of college campuses, they gave the example of a sorority at Dartmouth, um, a private college in New Hampshire, where 
um, a sorority that's not aligned with any national affiliation, they have decided as an anti, you know, I think um, as a way to protect the women in the sororities, Uh that they have decided that they're going to host alcohol parties um, at their sorority because they think it will be a safer environment for the women. So it just caught my eye. I don't know if it's a, you know, I can't say that it's a good idea. Right. You know, I mean, still a lot of, you know, there's still, you know, you're talking about alcohol and drinking. Right. um, But it is, it is a somewhat intriguing idea, you know, having, you know, that maybe it might be a safer environment for girls to socialize if they were on their home turf. That's a, yes, that seems like one idea worth trying. Part of a multi-pronged approach, it seems like. It seems like one idea worth trying. I did not realize that sororities didn't have parties. I've no. never I've never really been on a big campus with with a sorority fraternity thing and No, no, no. I mean, but you frat parties, as you know, can right. be uh, yes. you know they I guess you never room. hear about sorority parties, and I guess that's why. You only hear about frat parties because the yeah, women the don't, are women involved don't do with that. community service, yeah. Leon, you know, okay. You, you've seen Legally Blonde. Yeah, Leon. no. You I, know what sororities are. No, no, okay. I know what sororities are. I just didn't, again, I've never participated in one. I don't have a yeah. daughter in one. I have lots of friends who have daughters in one, but I never really thought about it, that, yeah. that parties yeah. are not in their own houses. So, yeah. you know, having a party in your own house does seem like one way that you might be more supportive there. Yeah. I, I think there are so many other issues to tackle when it comes yes, to rape are. on it, campus, but it's one, it's one way to tackle it, I guess. One way yeah, to tackle it. It was, it's an intriguing idea. I think it's worth discussion. I mean, it's a big decision for, you know, sororities to consider. Um, and, you know, the, I, I can't, you know, it's hard to know which, you know, what their, what their thinking is, but I, I, I was intrigued by this idea. Anything to help uh, the, you know, the on-campus rape situation yes. seems like a good idea. Yes. Okay. Uh, what else? Oh, we have Tuesday Trends coming up. Tuesday Trends, Leanne. Okay. I, I only have one, but it is a BAFO idea. And this is something that is going to be installed in Japan. Because, you know, the Japanese, they're, they're just way ahead of us on many things. They plan um, this, this coming year to install robots as bank tellers. Okay. Now, certainly we're, we're all, you know, in the beginning, we didn't really like ATMs, right, Lynn? You know, nobody, we didn't trust them. Right. We didn't like how they were so inhuman. You know, this is, you know. What you I know, I've always loved ATMs. So I can't yeah. say, I, yeah, because I, you know, I grew up in the ATM era. I don't really, I have very vague memories of banks before ATMs. Okay. Okay. So I so, loved it because I only usually had about $40 in my account and you so you didn't really want to have any human interaction. No, I just wanted to check my balance. Like I loved it. Uh, yeah, okay. that you didn't have to go inside. That you could get it at eight o'clock at night. Fantastic. Okay. Okay. So now, Leon, just imagine that instead of a person sitting in the booth, there would be a robot that would be programmed to do a wide range of standard transactions at a bank. They would be able to handle it. You come in, you want you want to deposit money, you want to withdraw money, you want to, uh, I don't know, get a cashier's check. The robot's going to handle it for okay, you. Okay, that's a bad idea. 
Really? You think so? Yeah. I like playing. Why do you like, I like bank tellers. On occasion when I go into the bank, they're all nice young people, many of whom are working their way through college or it's a good entry level job. They're getting experience working with money. And, uh, you know, I think, I think working at a bank is an excellent first job and they're always so pleasant. And yes, they are, Liam. (laughs) You're totally right. I don't want to put people out of work. Yeah. But I like the idea of just of having robot. more of a transaction. I, I don't want them tap, tap, tapping, looking at my bank account. I, I, I don't like that part of oh, it. Really? Oh, really? Oh, okay. I really, I really don't do it. If the robot can do it, I think that's great. I also, I also thought about this idea, Land. I think it's going to cut, cut down on bank robberies, too. Think about oh, it. Oh, well, that, that could be true. You know, they have yeah, a just, lot of bank just, robberies in Japan, though. I wouldn't think that was... But really? uh, well, they do in California. No, you I can know. use some robots there. You can use you can. They Texas too. We have we have bank robberies all the time, Land. I think it's going to be harder to go in there, pass the note to a robot. It's not going to work. Okay, you got a gun? Forget it. A robot <laughs> robot doesn't care. Huh? Wow, it's, it's, Her, Urban Nana has been working on some tough topics today. There. Well, all right, you know, in Land, between texting and. She's getting tough on crime with the robots. Tough, and- <laughs> tough on crime. I like it, Leon. If the robot, really, if they can, you know, if they can get me that cashier's check, if they can, you know, handle my deposits, if they can give me, you know, the, you know, if I can get change, you know, I, I, I'm totally fine with the robot. I think it would be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, still not. I just like to think that someone is at the bank, you know. <laughs> That someone works at a bank. All right. You have a point there, Liam. <laughs> so, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, all righty. Okay. Uh, anything else? You got anything else going on? We that have anything said, else before we get to Down Gabby? That we're, we're on to Down Gabby. Okay. All right. So I have some headlines uh, from this from this week's show. Okay. <laughs> and, whoo, it was a doozy. I had to sit for the whole show. I don't care if it ruins my health. All right. Here, first headline, the Dowager Countess. Hot to Trotsky? No, she's roaming off with Prince Igor. <laughs> Man, excellent headline. Okay. Headline, Lady Edith. Starts rehearsals for West End production of Woman on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. <laughs> that is so true. Keep going. Headline. How many men, again, has Mr. Bates not killed? <laughs> and big headline of the week. Cora wakes up and eats breakfast at the table. Whoa. <laughs> And finally, Lady Mary thinks sex with Lord Gillingham is mm, meh. <laughs> okay, I mean, okay. the hits just kept. You handled it, Lynn. You handled it. The hits just kept coming this week. All right, I let's know. start with Lady Mary and the sex capade. <laughs> yes, yeah, we have to, Lynn. Okay, well, we talked about it. We saw it coming, Lynn. We knew that somebody was going to bust them and with their tryst in yeah. Liverpool, okay? And, you know, we also predicted that there probably wasn't going to be any chemistry between yes. the two. She didn't look, ta- you know, she looked a little bit bored. Yeah. Uh, but not so bad. But yeah. here's the thing about this episode that I thought was so amazing. Because prior to this, I thought Lord Tony was was pretty hot. I yeah. have to say that. Yeah. I thought he was dashing. I thought he was totally right for Mary. 
he just kept looking worse and worse in every scene. I mean, that not only did he like, he looked like, you know, a wimp there in bed and yeah. like his jokes were Mar- Lady Mary wanted no part of. Oh, yeah. And then later when they had the Russian tea, I mean, he was trying, he was pathetically talking to Mrs. Crawley. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. And she even like blew him off. I mean, that was it. That's like. Tony, you are out. You know, you were just, you're, I mean, if Mrs. Crawley blows you off, okay, right. nobody likes her. Okay. So. Yeah. I mean, uh, clearly though, he thought that it was Bafo. I know. Like he yeah. wanted to pick that date. And so, I, uh, I, and she was like, yeah, not so fast. Not so fast, Tony. And I like that she came clean to Tom, like the sketching trip. The sketching trip. <laughs> Tom Don't was on to how how her sister Edith, Lady Edith, <laughs> wanted to see the sketches. Did you hear get that line? Okay, here's well, Julie. The we I... did have one funny Facebook, an anonymous. I you you shall remain anonymous sender who did tell me that she took her own sketching trip to Europe between marriages. And yeah, it yeah. worked out for her. She enjoyed sketching in Europe. Oh, she did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> here's my big question. Yeah. How is it that the paper bag? With the thing in it? You know yeah. what I'm talking about? How is it? Well, first of all, I don't even really know what device is in that bag. <laughs> I don't know what I it looked is. Up, I looked it up, Leanne. Oh, okay. Yes, because I watched, I watched um, the episode with some friends. Yeah. And we, we were not certain of the device, but I looked it up, okay? okay. And it, you, you can too. It's okay. in that book that Lady Mary has, okay? okay? Okay. But did you notice that the creases on the bag were the same before and after the trip to Liverpool. I thought that was amazing. Oh, I did not notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Sleuthing. Yeah. Good work. Uh-oh. I hope that doesn't mean there won't be any, what, what did uh, the Dowager kind of say? Unexpected complications or what? No, what did epilogue. She she epilogue. Said, she epilogue. Said, is there going to be an epilogue <laughs> to it? Yeah. That was one of the best yeah. lines of the week. So I do like her butler too. He was funny. I like him. So that I was glad of all the people to see them that it wasn't Mosley or Mosby. I know I should know his name. By now, but it's mostly. <laughs> just but yes, I mean, but you have to give it to the Dowager that yeah. she came up with that lie on the spot right. about uh, the conference. Northern uh, Landowners <laughs> Conference. Yes, of course. Of course they're at the Northern Landowners Con- uh, Conference. So I don't know. I But I think Tony is out. I don't just, he's he's got to go, right? It's, yeah, he's got to go. Not- it's done. It's good. So we have somebody to look forward to. I know that George Clooney is making an appearance on this, on this season. Ooh, and um, do you think? I don't know, right? Wouldn't that be great? Or isn't Matt Damon in this season too? I can't even I don't remember. know. I, I just, every day, every episode is so good. Yeah. So, but just to continue on the thing in the paper bag. Yeah, Joel. The fact that she gave that to poor Anna, as if Anna hasn't had enough problems. Right. I mean, she is, she's married to the murderer. Right. You know, Bates, who's going to blow again he's at any blow, second. And wait till he finds that thing. Yeah, he's going to find that thing. Yeah. I know she's supposed to hide it in the cupboard in the cottage where no one will look, but that is not possible, okay? Because everyone's going to look in the cupboard in right. the cottage, okay? Including Bates. Yeah. Who is going or to the have- police when they come to set, search the cottage after, you know, they've discovered that he's yet not killed another person. Or what? Yeah. I don't even know if he killed that person. <laughs> 
I can't yeah. even recall how many people he yeah. has or has not killed. I, I think your headline says it all, Liam. Yeah. But you know he could, he's capable of doing it again. Yeah. And I believe he's going to blow into some jealous rage, of, you know, that Anna has some secret lover. Right. And that, yeah. that is going to be a problem. Yeah. And I think Lady Mary could have just kept it in her dresser drawer there. For God's sakes, how big is that house? She couldn't have found one corner to tuck it into? I know. And and she had that book in there, you know, the book that that told her how to use the thing in the paper bag. <laughs> the device. The mystery the device. device. Mystery Whatever device. it was. Whatever it was. So anyway, so it's uh it's just uh there's a lot going on there. Uh, I think it's great that the Dowager knows because I, I think Mary needs some support and guidance, you know, and uh and she's got some backup there. Certainly her mother, Lady Cora, is that that's, you know, she's clueless. She, you know, she has. Oh, my been- gosh. Yeah. Let's just talk about her. Like, okay. how okay. clueless does she have to be? Like, oh, she's certainly enjoying that little girl down at the farmer's house. And, oh, oh I hope your sketching trip was fun. Oh, and let's give the jewel thief your little box of jewels for the trip to London. Did you see that? I know. Did you see that? I mean, I know. I went, and then, and then, like, yes, please tell the strange art historian your whole life story, including the fact that your father was like new money, and no one wanted to marry you because he was Jewish and from Cincinnati. Now, did we know that about Lady? Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, we knew she was from a wealthy American family, yes. but that was news to me. That okay. that okay. backstory on her. So, which, you know, at that time, you know, they had to send her off overseas to get married. Which, by the way, CBS Sunday Morning did a very interesting piece on what they were called American princesses. And yes. Yes. Uh, at the time, which I, I had never heard that term or anything. So it explained people like her. It was like for a very short window, these wealthy Americans went over and married impoverished, you know, British landowners for like 20 years. And then oh, they yeah. the Brits made it illegal. Yeah, so, yeah. uh, but anyway, that's going to come back to haunt her, right? That guy's going to write a tell all or I say know. something terrible about her. That's going to become a thing. Yes, it is. And I actually felt kind of sad for Lord Grantham. You know, he doesn't even really like black tie. Yeah. You know, he doesn't even understand black tie. He always wore white tie. Yeah. And there he was all dressed up in his black tie tuxedo waiting to take his wife. You know, that was his as spontaneous as he was ever going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was not so good. But then he didn't have to be so mean to her. He didn't have to put her down in terms of her intelligence and her insight about art history. Well, he didn't have to, but she's not helping herself by lying in bed and retaining a clueless air most of the time. But right, there's definitely, he does not want her involved. Like when obviously the real estate development deal that was mentioned, I'm not going to sell off 50 acres to have them build 50 houses on my land. What is that? Is that like Levittown? Yeah, it is. Well, yeah, I think it's like, yeah, called development. It's going to happen, buddy. (laughs) Get used to it. Real estate's the thing. So, uh, and he wouldn't discuss that with her. But Cora and that art historian, that is going to circle back to bite her. So, yes, it is. Yeah, yes, I think it will. That's unfortunate. Okay, let's talk about Lady Edith. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a lot of sympathy for her. I do. You know, too. I feel like yeah. 
She has that mean older sister, you know, uh, she, you know, she just was unlucky in love, you know, uh, really unlucky. It's really, really unlucky, really unlucky. And then, and then she has, you know, the tragedy, the drama of having a child out of, out of wedlock. But she brings it on herself, Leanne. I, I mean, she's down there at the, you know, at Farmer Brown's every day, like doting on, on the child. Right. You can't do that. She's like lost her senses. Okay. She's not careful about it at all. No, Is woman she? on the verge of a nervous breakdown. I think that's I, a, that's. I, I thought she had stolen that baby. Like. The dingo has your baby. No, it's Lady He's, Edith. That's who yes. has your baby. I mean, I yes. I thought that I w- I was with Farmer Brown's wife. I thought she, I thought she was gone, and I thought, well, good for her. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> But now that she's been banished, she, she might have more reason to to take some kind of dramatic action like yes. that. Yes, let's hope. So. That'll be good for the show. That'll be oh, excellent yeah. for the show. Now, I have to agree with um, with Lord Grantham on one point. Uh, the Bolshevik teacher, she is starting to get annoying. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm with I'm with Lord Grantham. I mean, too. you yeah. can't come into someone's house every time and insult their house guests like i feel i wish we could see another side of her personality other than like the insulting tea guest i mean which so she was insulting like the russian orthodox church is that when at the russian tea when uh, the russian apparently Amethyst... she seemed to be sympathizing you know she well she With was the insulting the czar yes. right she was yes. yes so uh but the big news there of course was I mean, wasn't that a soap opera moment when Lady Grant, when the Dowager Countess was looking at the artifacts from the wedding of, you know, this person or that person, the Romanov princess and, yes. and, you know, oh, the fan was given to me by, and there he was. Prince, Ooh, Prince. <laughs> Isabel, feel my heart. That was good. Well, first of all, I just loved that you had the Russian aristocracy sort of weeping over those various items. Because, as you know, Leon, I lived in Russia. You yes. came to see me. I believe that several of those items that I have given you as presents, there was a little Fabergé egg. I Did have a, that, that egg. Yeah, I have a little yes. egg like that. Yeah. A little Fabergé egg. Yeah. Painted boxes. You know, no, there were none of the Russian uh, carved Santas. Mm. I think that probably came later. But, um, yes, they were weeping over items that you have in your house, and as, as do I. So, I. so I enjoyed that. But Prince Kuryagin, yeah, ooh, he's uh, with the long hair. I mean. Yeah, uh, soul of a it, poet or something. Yes, I don't know what yes. that guy, that guy's yes, story well, is. It left the dowager speechless, which is saying quite a bit, don't you think? Well, I hope she's lucky in love. I mean, wouldn't that be fun for her to have, you know. A hot, a hot to be hot to Trotsky, as I said in the hot opening. Hot to Trotsky, yeah, it's, it's it's the headline, and I think it's going to be a great storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, and then just uh, the footnote: the World War One Memorial continues on as a storyline that seemed like a reach for the cook to ask the butler to put her sister's son on this World War One Memorial. I felt sorry for Cook, but uh, that clearly wasn't going to happen. Yeah. I don't think it is. I don't think. Yeah. And I think Branson should go to America right away. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's been, he's just hanging around. Okay. Now I don't think he can take the, take his daughter with him because that will be a fight, but I think he should just go and maybe take that teacher too. Cause she, I agree with you, Leanne. She's totally bugging me. Yeah. <laughs> 
she's there all the time and she keeps getting invited and making the same mistake, then just don't right, come. Right. If you're going to insult people, stop coming into the drawing room. Yes. You're, yes. You're entitled to... And I would to- like to see Lady Rose. I mean, she... She had that, you know, disastrous jazz hands boyfriend yeah, last yeah. year. But I think she could have she could have some nice Russian. That might be good. I, I know. She needs an element of romance. Yes, know. she does. If everybody yes, else on the show has one, even even the Dowager Countess. Even now. the Dowager. Yes. And you know, they I mean, and who's Mrs. Crawley? She's got that boyfriend now. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. House. Yeah. So yeah. um all right. Well, next week. I, it's going to be good, Liam. There's just I, the anticipation is very high this season. Yes, I, they really are moving things along at an excellent pace. A lot of good storylines. You know, as the world gets more modernized, the storylines can get more modernized and more energized, and that and that's a good thing. So, uh, you know, but mark my word, that art historian will be back. That's going to be trouble for her. All okay. right. Uh, Julie, what do you have planned? I know more on duty this week. You're there for a couple more weeks, right? Yes, two more weeks. Yep. Uh, so um, I've got to I've got to improve uh, my social media stand, you know, position. Uh, so I got to work on that, and we just got to continue to do the excellent work on the bottles and the naps and the walks that we're doing. Uh, so that's my plan. me too. That's my goal. I'm going to really? do more bottles, more naps, and more walks at my house. That sounds good. It's a good plan. No, I mean, what about lying down? I mean, is that okay? Like, if you are completely lying down, Leon. Is that better than sitting? I was thinking that what people have to design now is a recumbent couch, you know, like those annoying recumbent bicycles. Well, if you're supposed to, maybe if you were just recumbent watching TV and moving your legs or something, that would be, that would count. Just be on a Pilates rack or something like that, Leon. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if that counts. If you actually (laughs) have to be upright, I don't We'll get to the bottom of this. But okay. remember, souping is the new juicing, and that's positive. <laughs> All right, Leanne. That's Hooray. positive. Hooray. All right. Don't forget, everybody, you can always find us online at SatelliteSisters.com. You can find old shows there or, or classic shows, not old classic. Uh, you can join us on Facebook, either our official page, Satellite Sisters, or the Facebook group, The Satellite Sisters. And we're, we are at Sat Sisters on Twitter. All right. Great talking to you, Jewel. Have a fun great week. Great talking to you, Leanne. Okay. Have a good week. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.